Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 3 says, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to his son Saul, Take now with you one of the servants and arise and go search for the donkeys. Verse 4, he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalishah, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the, the land of Shalim, but they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. When they came, verse 5, to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come and let us return, or else my father will cease to be concerned about the donkeys and will become anxious for us. So he, um, verse 6, he the servant said to him, Behold, there is this man of God in this city, and the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about our journey on which we have set out. So I want you to picture this now. Um, they, they get to this point, and Saul's kind of worried that dad might be worried about him, thinks, hey, maybe we ought to just give this thing up and, uh, and head out for home. But his servant says, wait, 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 there's a man of God in this city. Um, back then they called him seers. We're going to see that in a minute. Um, or, or the word prophet came later. Uh, you know, he, he might be able to tell us where these donkeys are or where, why we're still here on this journey or where we might need to go. And so this servant convinces Saul that this would be a good thing to do. So Saul gets convinced and, and he you know, says, okay, you know, we're going to do this. But I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, notice that there's no interest in Samuel about anything spiritual, even though he is called by the servant a man of God. They only care about one thing. They want to find these lost donkeys. Now, isn't that interesting uh, that they would go to this man of God with no concern about what he might have to tell them about God, but, hey, can you tell us where our donkeys are? You can see where their mindset was. But I think there's something really, really neat that we can see in here that the servant says. The servant says about Samuel, the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. This is proof that Samuel is God's anointed prophet because all that he says comes true. And guess what? The rules were pretty strict back in those days about prophets. If, the, if what you said didn't come true, you might find some rocks heading right at you. Okay? But it also says this man is held in honor. And that's going to tell us something I think we're going to look at in just a minute. Verse 7, he says, Then Saul said to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring to the man? For the bread is gone from our sack, and there's no uh, present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? Now, there is a little debate about this. Some people say, well, back then, you know, uh, the prophets charged for their um, prophecies. Well, when they were called seers, and the only difference between a seer and a prophet, you know, a seer kind of gives you this idea of they, they see what happens ahead of time. Well, that's the prophet. Is, speaks of, of things that can happen before they happen. Same thing. And it may be that there were some like that, but they weren't men of God. 
The prophets of God did not do that. But it was a custom to bring a gift when you came to the prophet. And so this is what they're talking about. Verse 8, the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. Not much, by the way. I will give it to the man of God and he will tell us our way. Now, what do you notice about this servant that's different than Saul? You notice that, you know, he, he might have had some faith here because he says, I'll give it to the man and he will tell us our way. So there may have been some relationship that he had with God that Saul certainly didn't have at this time. Verse 9 just you know, gives us some information. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, come and let us go to the seer, as I said. For he who is called a prophet now was formerly called a seer. And I explain that to you. Verse 10, Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, let us go. So the servant... A man that seems to have some amount of faith convinced Saul to go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the slope to the city, they found young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered them, verse 12, and said, He is. See, he's ahead of you. Hurry now, for he has come into the city today. For the people have a sacrifice on the high place today. Now, high place, really what that meant is they went into elevated places for worship. This was done by pagan religions as well, but this was also done by the children of Israel when they worshiped. They often went to a high place. Um, and again, there's a little debate about why they did that, and we don't need to get in that tonight. But they were going to give a sacrifice. Now, that sacrifice was an act of worship by those people. Verse 13, they said to them, As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore, uh, go up, for you will find him at once. So they give him the instructions how to find the seer and what to do. They also tell him what's going on here. And I want you to notice here that we had mentioned before, remember when the sons of Eli were in charge, there wasn't much going on spiritually. But now, here's this Samuel, and remember back from the very beginning that Samuel's mother was barren and asked for a son and was given that son by God, and she turned right around and gave him back to God. So from day one... Samuel was trained, brought up in a godly way, and he was a man that obviously we can see was being held in honor because everything he said was coming true. He was the anointed prophet of God. And guess what? This man of God, pretty much it seems all alone, at least in this area, was having an influence on the people. Do you see that? These people were going up, for a sacrifice, an act of worship. And look at what it says about him. They won't even eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. They were following proper procedure here. They weren't going to eat till he came up, bless the sacrifice. Then they could have their meal. So evidently Samuel was having a good influence on the people of this particular area. 
So verse 14 says, So they went up to the city, they followed the instructions, and as they came into the city, behold, Samuel was coming out toward them and going up to the high place. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But then it says this in verse 15, and we get some real insight here. Verse 15 says, Now, a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, verse 16, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people. I want you to notice a couple of things here. First one, uh, verse 15, it says, The Lord had revealed this to Samuel. I like the way the New King James, King James put it. It says this, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Samuel came. So we're, we're asking, and why is this important? Well, because I have people come to me all the time asking, how is it that the Lord reveals things to us? Okay, I know I, I can read His Word and I, I get things from His Word, but you know, I hear you say all the time you heard from the Lord that the Lord revealed something to you. How does that work? Well, right here we get a little insight here. It says here, if we read it literally, and it does mean literally it could be translated that the Lord uncovered His ear. That's literally what the words mean. Uncovered His ear. And so this is one of the things I'll say to people. Well, maybe you need your ears uncovered. Maybe when you pray, you don't listen. Or maybe when you pray and ask God to speak to you, you don't really believe that He will. You're not praying in faith that God will answer your prayer and that He will reveal to you. God can reveal Himself in many, many ways. But one way is He has to uncover your ear. So that's a question we need to ask ourselves tonight. Do we need our ears uncovered? Or do we need them unplugged? So that God can whisper into our ear the way that He did to Samuel? I want you to notice in verse 16 it says... At the instruction that he was given, he says, You shall anoint him, this man that's coming, Saul. You will anoint him, and it says, To be what over my people? Prince. Now, this is interesting. The word prince here is translated uh, commander. It really designates a commander, a leader. It's not the same word oftentimes used for king. Now, I heard Dave Rolfe a friend of mine, pastor at Calvary Chapel in Pacific Hills, teaching out of 1 Samuel 9. And he, and he said this, he says, it's as if God couldn't actually get the words king out. Why? Because God was still their king. And in essence, yes, Saul was going to be called king, but he really isn't the king, he is the prince. He is still under God's authority and I think that that's important here. He will be the leader and he will be the commander, but he's really not truly the king. The truth is that in Israel, no earthly person could truly be the king of Israel. Only God could be their true one and only king. Remember, remember when Jesus was before Pilate and Pilate asked him, are you a king? Do you remember what Jesus replied? My kingdom is not of this world. Do you remember what Pilate then had written on the cross? Jesus, King of the Jews. 
You see, no one can ever really be king of the Jews or king of Israel other than God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. But Saul was going to be the anointed leader. And it finishes in verse 16 saying, And he, this is really interesting, he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come up to me. Now this is interesting because guess what? Right now they were at a time of peace. They weren't at war with the Philistines. So what does this mean? He heard the cry of his people. Well, it kind of gets back to remember how Pastor Michael has been telling us. And, you know, God exists basically outside of time. So he's already heard the cries because he knows what's going to take place. And Samuel apparently uh, was spoken to by God and knew that the Philistines would rise up again. And that Saul was going to be the one who would lead them in this battle against the Philistines. And we will read on later how um, early on that Saul does that. So verse 17, when Samuel saw Saul, say that three times fast, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. So we see how God uncovered Samuel's ears so that he could hear. And I want you to look back into, into chapter 8. Look back into chapter 8, 1 Samuel 8, verse 21. Because this is going to show you the relationship that Samuel had with God. Uh, 1 Samuel 8, 21, he says, When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. Now this is really interesting. So, when Samuel would, heard the, would hear the words of the people, he would go to God and he'd go, God, this is what they're saying. As if God didn't already know. Of course he did. But Samuel was doing what he was called to do. He was representing the people of Israel to God. He'd say, God, this is what they're saying. And then what happens? Well, God speaks to the people of Israel through Samuel. This is the relationship that Samuel had with God as the prophet of Israel. God would speak to Samuel. Samuel would speak back for the people to God. You know, we take it for granted sometimes that we don't have to do it that way. That we get to speak to God ourselves. Yes, you can hear prophetic word from the pastors. Prophecy can mean any kind of God speaking to man, which means... It can be something that could happen in the future that's spoken through man. But most of the time, it's the teaching of the Word of God by uh, a pastor. That's all prophecy. Foretelling the Word of God. But God can speak to you individually too. You don't have to go through the priest. You don't have to go through the pastor. You have this relationship that this man of God, Samuel, had. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. And we ought not to. Verse 18. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house. Again, this, you get the idea here. Saul had no clue. You know, nobody had ever told him what this guy looks like or anything. He just didn't have anything to do with it. So he's looking right at him and he says, Where's the seer's house? Verse 19. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and in the morning I will let you go 
and I will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. So he gives them all this information. I'm sure that Saul's kind of going, whoa. Okay, he has all this information about the donkeys. I haven't even asked him yet. And he's already telling me. And then he says this. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's household? Okay. Now the NIV um, puts it this way, and maybe it's a little easier to understand. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and to all your father's family? So Saul gets hit with all of that at the same time. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I think there's something interesting here. In Haggai uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, it uses a phrase that's exactly the same as this one except for one minor change. In Haggai 2, 6 through 9, it says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. That word desire is the exact same word as used here in First Samuel. The desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, said the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And almost every biblical scholar agreed this is looking forward to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is called the desire of all nations. Now, isn't it interesting that Saul is called the desire of Israel, the desire of Israel wanting an earthly king rather than God, but Jesus being the desire of nations, needed and desired by all nations, and nations, even whether they understand it or not, are desiring Jesus. Do you realize that? When you're out witnessing people, do you realize that truly deep in their heart, they don't know it, they don't understand it, but Jesus is the desire of their heart. What do they want? What has Pastor Michael said this so many times? When you talk to famous people that have everything in the world that they need, but you ask them, what's the one thing lacking? What do you not have that you want? What do they always say? I want peace. Can somebody give me peace? You see, they want Jesus he is the desire of all nations, even though they don't know it or understand it. The desire of all nations. But Saul was the desire of Israel, wanting a fleshly, earthly king. Now, put yourself in Saul's place right now. I mean, his head must have been kind of spinning. You know, like you see on those cartoons, you know, the Tasmanian devil. It's like, I, I, I can't... I, the guy started telling me I'm like, where my donkeys are, and now he's saying... The desire of Israel, me, my family? You know, it's, it's likely that he knew that Israel was waiting for a king. Remember, because Samuel told everybody to go home? So all the leaders went home, and I'm sure they shared with their families, guess what? God's going to give us a king. It's very likely that he knew that, but I'm certain he never in a million years thought that he was going to be that king. He just came to find his dad's donkeys. That's all he cared about. Now, 
not only does he discover they've already been found, so I've been doing all this for no reason, but now he's being told that he is going to be the king over Israel. I, I, I think it'd be kind of like this. It's like, I lost my iPhone, so I needed another one, so I go to Walmart to buy an iPhone. And I get there, and I pick out an iPhone and take it to the cashier to pay for the iPhone, and he says, you don't need that iPhone. You're going to be the CEO of Apple. What? I mean, that's what it must have been like. I'm sure that he had to be a little bit in shock. But I want you to watch what his reaction is here, and we're going to have a little fun with the debate here. Verse 21, Saul replied to him, Am I not a Benjamite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all families in the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me in this way? Now it's really fun to read, and and I probably looked at 10, 12 commentaries. And you get a little bit different takes from different people, but I'm going to give you the right one tonight. Okay. Some of the commentators say, look, Saul started off as a, as a humble person. You can see right here, you know, he kind of reacts like Moses. Remember, oh, Lord, I can't even talk. I mean, you know, that, that humility. Um, am I not of the smallest of tribes? Well, is that true? Was he from the smallest of tribes? I'm waiting, class. Yes, he was. However, do you think it was true that he was from the least of all the families of Benjamin? I don't think so by what the Bible said about his dad. I don't think that that's true. I would have to agree that with, with J. Vernon McGee, who says, that, my friends, was false humility. And I think that it was false humility, but I think even more, and this is what I want to share with you, because I think as you move along in 1 Samuel, this will help you to understand Saul. I think he said it out of fear. All of this came out, and remember, here's a guy that had no relationship with God, and all of a sudden, he's being told God's going to appoint him king over Israel. Now, I could say that, and it could just be opinion, but I think the more we read about Saul, I think that you eventually will agree with that point of view. Look at 1 Samuel 10, and I hate to steal Pastor Michael's thunder for next time, but 1 Samuel 10, uh, verses 20 through 22. Just one book ahead here, one chapter ahead. Verse 20, when Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near... And he was doing this because he was going to finally anoint Saul as king. It says, when he brought him near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. So this big ceremony for the anointing of the king. But look at what it says. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. They didn't even look around for him. They asked the Lord. They inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes. He's hidden himself among the baggage. 
Now, I'm sorry, you don't hide yourself among baggage just because you're humble. But if you're scared, you're going to hide yourself so that you don't get anointed king. I believe Saul had fear. And I think as we go through the rest of 1 Samuel and everything we read about Saul, you'll see that he operates much, much, much more in fear than he ever does out of humility. And I think that Saul had fear. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. The people of Israel made that mistake. You know, they, they looked at other nations, they assessed things by outward appearance, but that's not the way the Lord looks at life, and that's not the way the Lord looks at you. See, we focus on the outward appearance. We we want to look good and dress nice, and, and we can understand that. But I heard a pastor say recently, you know, we pay a lot of attention to the outside. It might be how our face looks, our hair, our makeup, our tan. But you know, what really matters, what's most important to the function of our body is what's on the inside. Our involuntary organs, our circulatory system, our kidneys and pancreas and other things, our lungs, Things that are not seen by people, but things that are absolutely vital to our existence. That's what we need to pay attention to. Where are you going with this, Pastor Michael? I'm going simply here. In your spiritual life, the same is true. You know, Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside is the problem. You will paint the, you'll whitewash the tomb but inside it's full of dead men's bones and all kinds of corruption. You know, even man-made religion at its core is, is set up to impress people on the outside. But what, God, what impresses God is the inside. That's where he wants to do his work. Search my heart, oh God. That's where he wants to do his work in my life. Clean out the leaven out of my heart, oh Lord. You might want to just pray this prayer right now. Lord, let your searchlight come in and do your surgery in my heart, in, in the spiritual man, that I might assess things the way you do, not by the outside, but by the inside. You know, my outer man is decaying, Second Corinthians 4 says this, but my inward man is being renewed day by day. Folks, we're getting ready for a life that's not going to be determined by what's on the outside. It's, it's really going to be about what's on the inside. That's the true you, by the way. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org.
That's livingtruthcorona.org.